0: Welcome to Data Myths Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Melinda Gagnon.
1: So, a little about us. I'm interested in how tech helps us improve our lives. I have 20 years experience in digital communications. I'm an ex-Googler and now help launch new companies and products.
0: And I've spent 20 plus years evangelizing tech at some of the world's largest companies. Whether you're a data file or a data phobe, We have something for you on this podcast, so get ready. Let's go.
1: Good morning, Brian.
0: Hey, how are you doing today?
1: Pretty well. I'm excited that we got our first podcast of season two out last week, so I'm feeling pretty pretty psyched about that.
0: Yeah, that actually that came out fairly easy after taking, you know, a number of months off. So I was surprised about that. I was I was a little nervous to get started again, but it uh was like riding a bike. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, and having CES as, as fodder makes it a nice way to, to launch back into it. There's plenty to talk about with an event like that.
0: I will say so we tried out a new place in our, uh, our little hometown yesterday uh, while we were doing some work. And uh, I actually had a real pork banh mi sandwich, uh, which really made the impossible pork uh, a distant memory. So that's, that's good.
1: Well, that's good. I'm glad pork hasn't been ruined for you forever. That would be tragic. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. So
1: We've recovered from that. So that's, that's the good news to start us off <laughs> since last time.
0: Nice. So, what what are we going to talk about today?
1: Well, thought we could dive into streaming a little bit more this time. We talked about it briefly with uh, with CES, you know, with with our comments on five G. And I feel like streaming just finds its way into a lot of our conversations. Actually, even going back to season one. So, there's just a, a ton going on in this space, and and truly, it could be much more to talk through than one episode could even allow. But it, it's interesting that so many more players have entered the streaming space, particularly in the last year, but really in the last couple of years.
0: It's getting crowded. It's getting pretty crowded.
1: And uh, yeah, absolutely fractured, quite frankly, very confusing, I feel like, for consumers. That's that's a whole nother kind of issue to contend with, which, which one do you go with? And Really, what, what's fascinating is, you know, what has happened to lay the groundwork for this type of really epic change that's been happening. So I think that will be interesting to, to kind of dig into.
0: Yeah, so let's, let's get going on streaming, right? So what is streaming? It's a pretty broad topic, and obviously there's both audio and video streaming. Uh, where do you want to start? Where should we begin?
1: well, let's just begin with with what's happening in terms of what people's preferences are, right? Because there's, there's the consumer or audience preference and that's combined with technological advances to really make this type of, of activity happen. So when we look at what's happened over, you know, the past five, 10 years with cable, you know, there was a lot of talk about five years ago of like, oh, are, are people really going to go away from cable? Is that really going to happen? You know, people were upset with, with how much it costs, the fact that it wasn't flexible, all these things. And we've really seen meaningful numbers in people who are actually quote unquote cord cutting. So that's, you know, the term that, that we use to basically say, okay, you're canceling your cable subscription so, I mean, 39 million people were cord cutters in 2019.
0: I mean, that is, that's significant. Yeah. Considering there is 273 million people in the United States.
1: Absolutely. And, and 120 million TV households in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. So it's pretty staggering. So, so this is quarter. meaningful. Super yeah. meaningful. And, and projected that by 2022, there'll be 55 million people.
0: Who that's, have cut cable. That's significant. And so we were early adopters of this. We cut the cord seven years ago and haven't looked back. There was season one of cutting the cord. You know, we could have done a whole podcast <laughs> just on that because it was painful. Uh, no football. No football.
1: That was, yeah, that was the painful part. That
0: was literally the worst.
1: But we just had to be extra motivated and go out to a bar to watch football. So, you know, people adapt so it yeah and I would
0: and I would argue I guess if I had done like a cost analysis on it <laughs> the numbers that we were saving on cutting the cord were probably equally you know in year one uh, that was made up for with having to go out and buy beers at a bar versus having cheap beer at home so
1: right but you could you could also just say well that's a good example of the experience economy you know yeah we, we paid our Starbucks price for that football game. We went yeah. out and had the experience, and yeah. we were happy about it. It was and like you said; we didn't look back.
0: It was football and apps as a service. So <laughs> exactly, you know, it worked. It was perfect.
1: And 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 on top of that, you know, you think about the younger demographic, so ages like thirty-five or twenty-five to thirty-four. Um, they so the
0: key, the key, you know, piece to resistance of the basically uh the demographics
1: yeah that that demographic they want to access tv via the internet that's that's the the norm for them that's preferred so clearly the trends are moving in this direction from what consumers want to do and how they want to consume media and on top of that of course mobile so we we want to to consume media on on our mobile devices more and more
0: well and and I was thinking about it the other day. Now, because there are so many different services, we're right back to where we were almost before, which is hundreds of channels. You know, we're not at hundreds of services yet, but we could be. And so when we start to think of a channel, a traditional channel that we watched on TV as being a service and an app on your phone, we're quickly starting to gain on getting back to all of these channels again.
1: Well, it, absolutely. These different streaming services are feeling like channels because there are so many of them. And the interesting trend in the space is that this, uh, you know when we think of video streaming, it really was a function of uh, disrupting distribution and pulling together content from a variety of of providers. And it's shifting to actually uh, just being a way for a content owner provider to share the content.
0: So let's, let's back up just a little bit and lay some of the underpinnings that really made streaming possible. So if I think back, 1994, something really pivotal happened. The MP3 was born. So basically... What that has allowed or what that allowed at the time was essentially taking and compressing a WAV file or a, a traditional audio file that you'd have on a CD or any other medium and really compressing that down six to one, you know, up to 10 to one. So basically making that file a lot smaller. So Internet speeds were starting to go up, but most of America was still on dial-up at that point. Uh, High-speed internet hadn't really started to take off uh, really until almost 2000. And so if you think about that, that was really sort of the birthplace of what started to make streaming possible. And so, you know, MP3s started to get exchanged. Everybody was ripping CDs left and right, uh, and free music was born, you know, unbeknownst to every artist that wished their stuff was paid for. And, uh, you know, things like uh, Napster, you know, Sean, Sean uh, did a good thing, you know, got Napster up and going. Sure, maybe it wasn't uh, legal or, or um, totally uh, bona fide, but that really started the whole streaming industry. So I think that's, you know, we got to kind of pay homage to that because that's where a lot of this capability was born on peer to peer and that whole piece, and just showing that people were really interested in, you know, kind of streaming their music, breaking up CDs, and rather than having to listen to a whole CD, uh, going in and picking the songs that they wanted. That was really sort of the choice revolution on the audio side. And that's also some of the underpinnings of the technology and being able to use a slower connection.
1: Yeah. And in terms of of the consumer preference here, I mean, granted, the peer to peer aspect uh, that didn't really happen with with the evolution of video. But that's really the only difference. It's, as you said, having this way of having more choice and more flexibility. So the format of a CD uh, of a, you know, before that, right, uh, a tape we remember i remember the days of mixtapes you know that we would try to try to create our our own mixes it was kind of painful but we all did it so that's that desire to have more flexibility to have what you're looking for on demand and that's also the desire that's really pushed uh, consumers to move away from cable into these on demand streaming services
0: right well and so now Let's fast forward a little bit. So I didn't realize this. Netflix has been a company for 22 years.
1: It's amazing to yeah. think that they've had that longevity.
0: Mind blown. Yeah. Right? And so if you think about it, I'm guessing the average user on Netflix probably had no idea that Netflix started out by going after distribution. And the way they did that is they would actually mail one or two or however many you selected, whatever plan you were on, DVDs to your house so that you could watch the DVD and at your leisure, send it back. And it came in a little red envelope and it was really pretty slick. I actually got throttled for a totally different reason. We can get into that a little bit later, but um, I was a very early adopter of Netflix Uh, And loved it. You know, I would get as many DVDs as I possibly could every month.
1: So I think we should get into that little story now because that let's let's um, I think your experience with early days Netflix, you were actually going a Napster esque type of route. And I'm sure a lot of people did this, but it never really emerged into an actual business.
0: So So. I'm going to tell this. I'm going to tell this like a story. Um, where I have creative control and it's a it's a fictional story. Um, I will be pleading the fifth uh, but you know in that story there was a boy that went to college and found out all about the wonders of mp3s and in that time uh, probably started to amass really really huge stores of uh, mp3s and became probably one of the larger, data stores on the internet for sharing MP3s. Uh, Those MP3s may have come from uh, used CD stores and, uh, and things like that, and maybe possibly returned. I'm not really sure how it happened, but the story goes that uh, a lot of trading of free music happened and a lot of trading of free videos happened. And along came something like Netflix uh, and Netflix, all of those great DVDs may have also gotten ripped and stored and shared uh, for all in the world to uh, to partake. And uh, so, yeah, that's just for fun. Just for fun. Yeah, just for funsies. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, I've heard a story like that before. So yeah,
1: there are lots out there.
0: Yeah, there are lots out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that was uh, that was kind of born. Um, So just like, you know, Napster, people started to share movies as well. Uh, But but that's that's not the turn that Netflix went. Right. So they actually made a very pivotal business choice. And when Reed Hastings came out and said, hey, we're going to actually change the name of Napster or change the name of uh, Netflix, excuse me. And we're we're going to split off doing DVDs. And we're going to start making it so that you can stream all of that content off of the streaming platform. There was a huge uprate, a a huge outrage.
1: Well, I remember when they first made this shift too. you could have like a bundled package. so You could still get some DVDs in the mail as well as your streaming service. Yeah, there's still that like hybrid approach kind of ease you into it. And I remember when I finally said like, we should just drop the DVDs.
0: Well, yeah. What are we doing, I mean, you know, <laughs> well, the, the other problem, I probably had gotten most of the DVDs to come through our house at that point and, you know, uh, made sure that uh, they had a, a reasonable backup copy. But, um, you know, part of that too was the content wasn't quite there and they were just sharing whatever the distributors would let them share on their streaming platform. So, It was still better probably to get the DVDs because if you really wanted to watch a movie that was modern or or new uh, or good, for that matter, in my opinion, you got the DVDs. But now, I don't even know, that option probably still exists. I haven't looked in a long time, but most everybody gets the streaming service. So, you know, uh, and away we go. And they, for a very long time became a distribution network for all of these traditional content creators. Well, we're in a changing time, so let's, you know, let's talk about that. I know you know considerable amounts about uh, you know, content creation and, and that whole piece, but you know, let's talk a little bit about that.
1: Well the the interesting trend that has that has shifted, so Netflix obviously has, has really disrupted TV or I should say movie entertainment consumption from disrupting the DVD lending model then said okay we're seeing this online consumption activity now we're going to go into streaming but they were still really uh, a distributor the the mechanism for distribution just changed to to streaming
0: so rather than them competing against Blockbuster and essentially starting the beginning of the end of putting Blockbuster out of business they switched and then they put Blockbuster out of business by going to a streaming model so rather than dealing with crappy late fees and all of that and taking that piece away and making it easy they took it one step further and said forget the DVDs altogether. now we're going to just put Blockbuster out of business and make a streaming platform
1: Right. And, and having Netflix originals, that didn't come, come about for, you know, years later. And so, you know, originally it was just, we are going to take content that's created by other companies and provide an easier, more flexible customer choice experience. That's, that's really what, what they did. And that was, that was revolutionary. And clearly, you know, very successful. And then we had additional streaming services come about like Hulu, uh, again, as is another great example that's providing something similar.
0: Well, so Hulu, I would argue Hulu, when they came about, they had a very different bent than Netflix because they kind of went after the 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 modern content, the stuff that was getting created, the series on TV and that was really yeah, more
1: TV oriented yeah that's yeah. kind of like
0: where they went after that was their niche and they built up a pretty big pretty big business and I think you were telling me uh, the other day when we were talking about this that Hulu's actually has more net subscribers than Netflix right now is that correct?
1: Uh, well, Netflix has more more globally, but um, Hulu's at like 27 million last year. Netflix is is. Um, us like 67 but but hulu i mean is 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 part of disney which is a whole uh you know other story in and of itself so okay. i think you know hulu has quite a bit of traction right now but you know but in terms of like starting it to say okay we're gonna switch up how people people select entertainment and watch it right it's this on-demand app based you know type of experience so then what started to come about as a competitive play is creating original content. So okay. Netflix is creating original content, Hulu is creating it, Amazon. So that's starting to be a differentiator and also to of course really shake up the entertainment space overall that we have really amazing movies and content that, that's being created um, within these companies for these platforms exclusively.
0: Well, and that goes into our episode where we talked about basically creators or owners versus brokers. Netflix, traditionally, when they started, they were really just a different distribution channel. And until they started to realize that, hey, people are pulling content away from us or they're bidding up the price of content because now we're competing with Hulu uh, and the price to buy new original content is starting to get sufficiently high. Let's go out and start building our own content database, our own content network. That's where like the originals came from. But it's probably a good thing they started that when they did, because now insert Disney, who owns a ton of content, now all of a sudden comes to the table and pulls all their content.
1: Right. And and this is the, the really interesting thing that's happened between last year and this year is the real Accelerated growth in this space are the content owners saying, Oh, actually, Netflix, we don't need you to share that content for us. We're going to create our own streaming service and do it ourselves.
0: So, the barrier to entry to distribute content has come down so low that someone like Disney now, you know, Netflix and Hulu sort of paved the way, showed how easy it was, and typically. Like technology does uh the the people that are later to the game, like Marriott against you know Airbnb, the barrier has been been lowered, and the road has been paved so
1: and not only here the, comes disney yeah, and the the barrier has been lowered, but also the business model's been proven exactly. you know and and when you have the you know, new emerging companies like, I mean, they're not new and emerging anymore, but Netflix was right when they first started to do streaming. Well, they've proven it out. So now these larger companies can look at it and say, oh, there's no risk. There's 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 only upside. So here we go. And really the the big new players on the scene right now. So we have, of course, Disney Plus. And, and I, you know, we can dig in and, and talk a lot more about that, but um NBC is launching a streaming service this year of course with with their their content. Um AT&T, the amount of of services that AT&T is providing is is absolutely um incredible. It's kind of hard to to keep track of honestly, but they of course own Warner Media. So, you know, that's, TBS, that's HBO, the CW. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously they have some they have some content. The interesting
0: part though about AB or uh, about at&t that i saw is at&t is actually losing subscribers as quickly as cord cutters like i mean it's really staggering uh what their what their loss is they're now actually second to spectrum or comcast uh, which is huge Uh, and then the other piece to that is from a perspective of broadband at&t is a pretty big player in the broadband space and brought along a lot of people into broadband. They're losing broadband customers now, uh, which is probably much more disturbing uh, to them that, uh, that that's happening. You know, and they also own uh, one of the dish companies. Uh, which one? DirecTV? Is that-
1: so AT&T owns DirecTV. Okay.
0: Yeah. And so they're losing customers there as well uh, as, you know, that's not even, they're, you're cutting satellites then. You're not even cutting a cord, so... Um, right.
1: And, and, you know, to this, this space is so, um, you know,
0: it,
1: to say, I guess it's layered, um, but you know, Comcast, so NBC universal owns Comcast. So that's the largest cable provider. Uh, so, so right. It's, it's all of these, many of these players, except for Disney. But, you know, when you think of NBC, uh, certainly at t um, there is a cable play there and they're launching these for at t particularly, this vast array of of streaming services options to give variety for people because they know the cable cutting is, the cord cutting is happening. So you'll see different packages for AT&T that are like the entry level to cord cutting. It's still almost as expensive as cable, but it's not cable.
0: Well, let's, I want to go there. And then it kind of goes
1: down into more as, as we would probably traditionally think of it, um, streaming services that are a little more focused in terms of the programming and a much lower price point.
0: I want to get to the cost of all this in a minute. That's a whole separate conversation. But one of the places I, I want to go is if we think about this as sort of like a layer cake, right? You've got network at the bottom, which is needed for all of this stuff to happen. You've got distribution not too far above that. And then you kind of have content creation. And so if you look at that whole layered cake, it's getting really murky because with Disney's rollout, so Disney Plus just came about, built, you know, their huge content creator, uh, but now are starting to distribute their own streaming. Well, huh, that's interesting. They paired up with Verizon To do this huge deal so that if you have unlimited data with Verizon, you get free Disney Plus for a year. So that's basically coupling the network, which is Verizon, with, you know, the content provider with the distributor. That's all like one seamless thing now. And so in the past, when AT&T would sell you broadband and then they'd maybe still get some of that network you know, effect above that. In some cases, they're even losing it from that perspective because now all these new deals are being created. So, you know, and, and I guarantee with 5g coming about, you know, having to have a cable modem or having to have DSL or Fios or whatever else, you're going to be able to get this over the air and it's no longer going to be just Verizon and, and the big players with the networks. It's getting easier and easier to create a wireless network that people can get on so it's going to be really interesting over the next five to ten years
1: absolutely and, and also anyone who can cut out hardware um, is going to have a huge advantage and there's still even with these new quote-unquote streaming services there are still st- set top boxes that have to be purchased and you know that's something that'll be interesting to see you know how that how that all plays out Um, But yeah, I mean, Disney Plus has just been really amazing to see. I mean, they had 10 million subscribers uh, really when they launched last November. That
0: that is incredible by any standard. And there's a number of ways they kind of like game the system there to get to those numbers, which, you know, I want to talk about. But it doesn't matter to get 10 million users on any platform in a distracted industry. uh, That is impressive. You know, it took, uh, I think, I think it took Spotify a year to get 5 million. And I'm just pulling that number that, that vaguely sticks out there. It took Facebook five years to get to 5 million users. That's incredible to get to 10 million users. Um, you know, how did they, how'd they do that? Just from a marketing and.
1: Well, are are you, are you talking about like the num like the numbers of just meaning the Verizon partnership or are you, why are you doubting the, the 10 million?
0: I mean, it's impressive. So they just launched a brand new platform in November and they already have 30 million people on it now.
1: Yeah. It's, I guess an estimate, what, like 25 to 30, 25 to 30 million. Sure. They're, they're
0: being a little, um, a little careful, um, uh, just because that will tip their hand with, uh, financial reporting and stuff. I'm sure, uh, with the analyst, but, Uh, Within the first week, they had 10 million users. That's incredible. Now they're estimated to have 30 million users. When you compare that against, and that's only in the United States, when you compare that against Netflix, which has 67 million users in the United States and another 100 million globally, you know, Disney hasn't even launched outside the US yet. Yeah, they're launching in
1: Europe uh, this year. Um, They have additional. Markets for for 2021, but you know when you think about though what Disney has to offer, it's such a compelling value because it's seven dollars a month. You can do it for seventy dollars a year, and you have all of the content that Disney Disney owns. So I mean you have, in addition to you know you have Pixar, you have um, the Star Wars um, series, Marvel Studios. 20th Century Fox, National Geographic. I mean, when you start thinking about all of the you know, options that Disney can offer up, $7 a month, it's like, yeah, that's a no-brainer.
0: Well, and, and here's the other piece, right? This is the hard part. So Amazon and Netflix and I, I don't know if Hulu is as well at this point. It's hard to keep track, but they're all starting to do live games. Because they're realizing just like when I cut the cable, live games is still, you know, watching football or watching basketball. That's, that's the lifeblood of, uh, of America. You know, everybody wants to see that. And if you don't have that, you know, you're, you're losing eyeballs. So they've started to offer those, but here's where Disney wins because they have tens of thousands of hours of footage of old games and, and things like that. And I mean, granted, Who wants to watch an old game, you might say, but it's still content and people still look at stuff like that.
1: Well, they have ESPN and and they're also really going after Netflix head on because they're offering a plan that bundles ESPN Plus and Hulu for $13 a month. So it's like, you know, clearly they're just going for it here. And then on top of that, free for a year for Verizon Unlimited subscribers, they're not they're not playing here right.
0: So you know and i've i've read some of the analyst reports where they talk about oh hey netflix has been generating content now for quite some time and you know they're starting to get oscars uh, with like roma and uh y- you know uh the what is it my irishman or the irishman uh <laughs> whatever <laughs> I- you,
1: can, you can tell like we're not big tv uh yeah, TV I'm not, watchers. I'm not a
0: big TV watcher. <laughs> yeah. so um,
1: Something like that.
0: So, you know, and I would say, you know, you're starting to see a little bit more mainstream. I know Martin Scorsese made a big, huge deal about, oh, well, Netflix and those, uh, you know, they shouldn't be in the Academy. There's no place for it. It's not traditional medium and they're not, you know, screening and, and all that. Then he goes and wins, you know, some awards. And now it's well, cool.
1: yeah, Yeah. The Irishman was, yeah, was that amazing. Netflix movie yeah which we did see so enjoy,
0: you know if you can't beat them join them on Netflix I guess
1: yeah yeah that's that's the way it's going and then an interesting player here too is Apple TV Plus and it's quite frankly it's really difficult to understand how well this is doing but it's a little cheaper than Disney's just five dollars a month it's it's one of the cheapest services but the strange thing about it is the content is so incredibly limited. It's all, um, you know, original content, but they launch with nine original shows. So it's kind of difficult to see. And and when it comes to number of subscribers or users for for Apple TV, they have some estimates out there of 33 million, but... I don't think those are reliable numbers because essentially you can get a free subscription when you buy different Apple products so is that number meaning just the people who get the free subscription and I say okay great or are they actually users so that number could very well be drastically inflated past well, the point of what's meaningful
0: yeah and I mean and that's why I wanted to talk more about Disney Plus right of like that that's amazing of how they got to the numbers they did Uh, I saw a number that a third of all of their subscribers actually came in through that Verizon deal. So that seems like that was a pretty good deal. You know, I guess we'll see when the financials come out of, you know, how's that starting to hit the bottom line. But it's still really impressive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what does year two look like? Will Will those free trials turn into subscriptions?
0: Yeah. And, you know, the interesting part is if you look at Netflix numbers, They've actually had a really, really good, you know last couple quarters as well. and the analysts were thinking they were going to drop off uh, off a cliff when Disney came out. I'm guessing that we'll start to see that erosion over time, but you know, only time will tell. Um, the other thing that I was seeing is that, you know, HBO is really starting to become that premium offering, and they're really focused on building, A premium offering with premium quality content versus, you know, Netflix has been a little bit more scattershot, you know, buy what they can and make it look make it look bigger than it is. But you look at a lot of those movies, a lot of them are B tier, C tier type movies. And, you know, sure, they've generated content for a while. I thought all they were going to all they were talking about was the apocalypse. I mean, you could go on and look at their original content and it was like it was getting bleak.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a little intense.
0: Yeah. It's like, (laughs) Jesus, maybe I should just cancel this and go dig a hole in the, in the hill somewhere. I don't know. (laughs) So.
1: Well, one other thing that I wanted to mention too, just with this, um, that that there are so many options for, you know, streaming services and, and you really have to, as a, as a consumer look at, well, what, type of of shows do i want to watch and then figure out who's creating those shows because they're probably on those streaming services you have to sort through all these different bundles that we've talked about and then on top of that you have to think about well is this is this service available on my smart tv is it available via roku you know what do i need for hardware to actually use it because not everything is available across the board it's another level of complexity
0: it's gotten so confusing yeah. And so the other day I was looking at this and I know for quite a while we've gotten really good at cycling, you know, streaming cycling, as I would I would like to call it. And I'm not talking, you know, we're not uh, we're not doing Peloton here we uh we're actually binging a bunch of content, powering down our subscription for months until that new content comes about. And then we drift on like, uh, you know, drifters onto the next platform. We watch everything we can there that we like. We power it down. We go to the next thing. And I think like right now um, we're coming back on to let's get HBO going and kind of catch up on things there. uh, And let's do that with a couple others as well. Other people have to be doing this. Yeah,
1: I would think so. And then, of course, you have the households that are just sharing their login because those uh, those device um, device caps usually uh, can work for a couple a couple different households. You know, for multiple users. So yeah,
0: but that's a another, managed. That's a that's they've managed that. Of in, course, right? yeah. You so still they,
1: you can get locked out, um, and then you have to just upgrade your plan so you can have more devices going at once.
0: Yeah. But, so let's talk about. You know, content for me is a lot. Well, there's a couple things I want to talk about. One, while we're on it. So I was making a spreadsheet the other day of all of these different services because I was curious and I was thinking, have we gotten to the point yet where if you went and you got a bunch of services, you could actually get to what the last cable plan I saw was. And I'm pretty sure the last cable plan with taxes and everything else they tack on was about a hundred and like twenty bucks, right? And could I get to that number if I tacked on a bunch of streaming things that I would like to potentially partake in? And the answer was absolutely I was able to get to, you know, about a hundred bucks worth of streaming plans.
1: Oh easily. Yeah. I mean average average cost of a cable plan is $107. So oh, okay yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. So and another interesting player that's entering the space that's very different is called Quibi, and that's launching in April. Tell me more. Yeah, so it's it's very different from everybody we've been talking about because this is short form content, and um, it's also interesting that the two people who are who founded this company, so Jeffrey Katzenberg, ex Disney chairman, and Meg Whitman, ex CEO uh. of Hewlett Packard and eBay. So, obviously, two powerhouse players here, and they're betting big on what they're calling quick bites for content. So, Quibi is quick bites ma- mashed up, and they're saying like, "Look, Quibi is going to be, you know, the the new brand for short form content, just like Kleenex is to the tissue, right? Like this is we're redefining the space, and they are only creating content for mobile devices." Interesting. And the videos are produced by top Hollywood talent. It's also giving um, a more professional and more elevated way of storytelling for a lot of these more short form content creators. It's going to be five bucks a month. And what's super interesting about this as well, and they, they rolled this out at CES, is that they're allowing people to produce content on either screen orientation whether it's vertical or horizontal.
0: Interesting. So
1: technologically, that's really interesting. Like the phone is no longer hindering how you're creating content and viewing content.
0: Well, and the interesting part with that is the motion picture association and and all that have had fairly strict rules on that exact thing. So that's actually a pretty interesting barrier to, uh, to cross. So... That's, uh, that's, that's very interesting. And I know a lot of the really high end movie theaters that are starting to come out, believe it or not, um, that are really focused on, you know, kind of the artistic pieces of that. You know, they talk about things like letterboxing and, you know, the black stripes on the side and making sure that it's viewed in the terms that the director, you know, wanted you to, uh, to look at that film in. So I think that's really interesting. Um,
1: yeah, I'm excited to, to see how this, this launches. They've, they've been creating a ton of content. They said they're going to launch with like 7,000 videos from scripted series to reality TV. So it's, it's going to, it seems like it's going to be pretty rich in terms of what they're providing.
0: Oh, I can't wait for some reality TV
1: (laughs) in in 10 minutes, 10 minute bites. Oh,
0: that's perfect. That's about all that that should be.
1: I agree. I agree. So, So, so when we're thinking about everything that's going on in this very complex, very fractured landscape. We like to talk leaders and losers.
0: Yeah, sometimes I love losers and leaders. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> love them all. So I mean, I think it's clear our losers. You know, sorry, it's it's cable. I mean, it's it's dying dying fast. So I, I would
0: say one differentiator. It's not just cable. I think networks, bare networks by themselves are losing fast.
1: Yeah, yeah, with you. You know, you
0: you don't want to be even a cell phone provider that doesn't have access to distribution of content or maybe even some content because you'll be dead.
1: And that's why we've seen things like last last year, AT&T acquiring WarnerMedia. I mean, so and so our leaders, my vote for leader
0: is Disney Plus. Disney. Well, let's back it up. Disney. Yeah. Disney is going to win. And it's, to me, it's a lot bigger than just that content. Disney has so much content. They have entertainment content.
1: And they're creating original content just for their new streaming service, too.
0: Well, how long is it before they start to create content that matches up with their physical properties, that matches up with their merch, right? They have a huge, they probably make a billion dollars on merch alone or more. And, and franchising and all that. And when you combine that with the fact that they have amusement parks that are huge money makers, right? And now all of a sudden, before when you're in distribution, you don't know, or when you're in content creation and you have to rely on distribution, you don't know where all your content goes. You don't know how that end user is actually interacting with your content. What their preferences are and all that stuff, and so now when you have your own distribution network and you're a creator, you know exactly what that last bit well, is doing.
1: You you do and you don't. That I think that could be a whole other episode too of of how you actually uh, track viewers um, and engagement with video content. That, yeah, that's another very uh, Belinda, complex landscape.
0: You can look at you can look at recommendation engine, right? So you build some machine learning. You start to look at patterns of what types of shows they're looking at and watching all the way through. You're starting to see what they are, are tending to uh, preference. And you're starting to get a pretty good footprint of what people are watching and how and being able to kind of drill that down to yeah. a lot smaller segment. And so now all of a sudden you could create a, an audience segment that tracks over to your Walt Disney property in in Florida. And that is powerful. Absolutely. So Disney wins. Hands down, winner. I think, I don't know, I think Netflix over the next number of years is going to have continual problems. I think that they fall in the watch out, you could be a loser category.
1: It's it's going to be an original content play. That's the only way that they can keep up.
0: Yeah. And if more and more people, if more and more of these um, content creators start to pull their content from them, I'm concerned because it takes a long time to build quality content and it's yeah. expensive. And, right? and
1: Disney, I mean, they're, they're licensed to Netflix. That ends next year and that's over. Yeah. So,
0: and, and Disney has such a wealth of content. I mean, right. that, you can't make up for that. It takes tens and twenties and thirties of years to do that. So, yeah.
1: so we've got our leader and losers. And then I want to add just a little note here of my watch out for, and that's Quibi. I'm really excited to see what happens there. That's an interesting entrance to the space. But what
0: about Dabby? I mean, there's Dabby, there's Quibi, there's everything that well, ends in a Y.
1: Quibby. Quibi is creating original content in a different format. Got it. Only for mobile. Dabby is an aggregator, right, to, to take all these different subscription services and create a more streamlined user experience, which I think is a huge area for innovation and value add. So I wouldn't be surprised when we talk leaders and losers, you know, a few months from now, we're going to say, hey, this aggregator takes all of this mess that we've just talked about and makes it simpler and easier. So anyone out there looking for a great company idea, work on that, please. But here's,
0: so I'll leave us on this. And I think, you know, I think we've, we've talked through most of this. I wouldn't want to be an aggregator ever. I mean, it's okay for a while until everybody figures out like, Hey, all you're kind of doing is pulling it all together, but you're not really adding like a ton of value. You're putting like, you're putting kind of a bow on it. But, Um, but
1: that can be hugely valuable when it's done right and it's all about user experience because this is a mess this fractured space is now officially a mess
0: and and i agree with you and
1: it's confusing i agree with the customer
0: i think the barrier to entry though to be an aggregator then starts to you know where is the value and i think we're gonna have to wait and see yeah
1: absolutely
0: Awesome. Well, hey, this was an awesome episode. I'm really excited. And I know there's probably a few things we could dig out of this for future episodes. But, you know, thanks. This was uh, this was good. I'm glad you put this one together.
1: Yeah, thank you. Talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is sponsored by Uprise Partners. Uprise launches startups and evolves established companies. Check it out at www.uprisepartners.com. Please like, subscribe, and share. And we'd love to hear from you. Give us a shout if you have a great idea that you want us to include. Just email us at hello at datamyths.com. Catch you next time.